Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Categorically Romance podcast. My name is Bree, and today is a, a total dream. Um, I have author Courtney Cole joining me today, and I am such a fan. Um, Courtney, thank you so much for joining me. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, Bree. Well, thank you for having me very much. Um, well, I'm a writer, as you know. I grew up on a farm in Kansas, and um, to this day, I think. I've tried to get rid of my Midwestern accent, but I think I still have it sometimes. Um, my family makes fun of me a lot. Um, I live in Florida now where I write underneath the palm trees and we're having a storm. So if there's any noise, I apologize. <laughs> it's Florida ambiance at its best. <laughs> exactly. I love that you're a Midwestern girl. I'm originally from Missouri. So like, are you on like the other side of Kansas or what? Um. Actually, the very, very center uh, outside of a, actually, I was, I'm from a little tiny town called Nickerson, and it's right oh. next to Hutchinson, which is like the nearest city of any kind of size. And so um, it's like the home of the Cosmosphere, which is actually pretty cool. And you wouldn't think it's in the middle of Kansas, but you know, that's, that's like their one thing. But um, I used to go to Missouri on like vacations when I was little, cause you know, we didn't have like a lot of money. So we never did like really, really cool things, but we went to like St. Louis, you know, for the arch or something yeah. like that. Do you go back yeah. to Kansas often or no? Like, I, like really. my aunt used to live in West Palm Beach and she was just like, it yeah. takes forever to drive out of Florida. So she did oh. not go home that much. It does. And I literally have to drive everywhere nowadays because I have a Great Dane and I don't, you know, I don't like um, check her into the airplane or anything. So um, she rides with me and she's a really good traveler. But yeah, it's like it's it's far from here. I don't even know how far it would be from here. Probably at least like 40 hours or something. Oh my gosh, yeah. Well, I mean, I <laughs> it's fun seeing Midwestern girls break out and, and live somewhere else. Yes, like um I was I was speaking at my high school a few years ago, my where I went and that's the thing. Like you never think that something could happen to you like that. And, but I just was like, it can, it can always, you know, like just go after your dream and it doesn't matter, you know, where you're from, you know, you can, you can actually do it. And so, um, that was really cool. Um, just to hear them talking about it too. If you came with a warning label, what would it say? Oh boy. Um, a warning label, fragile, like a bomb, I guess. I don't know. Fragile like a bomb. I, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> um, who is one of your most read authors? Who do I read the most? Yeah, who's one of your um, most read authors? Well, you know what? I love, love, love Julie Garwood. Um, she is one of the reasons why I I love reading so much. I used to sneak her out of my grandparent after my out of my grandma's bookshelves, you know, because she wrote um Scottish romances back in the day. And so I literally, until the day she died, not too long ago, she was definitely an auto buy for me. What is a movie or television show you'll never stop watching? Supernatural. I love me some Jensen Ackles. Oh my gosh. Yes. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good oh, one. Man. Yes. I, I've been wanting to, I think the first time I sat and watched it, I think I made it like five or six seasons into it. Uh, yeah. And I've been wanting to like start it over and like rewatch it and just finally like binge through the whole thing. But I'm just like, I don't know if I'm ready. It's just one of those shows that I'm like, am I ready for the ending? Am I ready for it to come no. to an end? No. 
Absolutely not. And then I literally hated the last episode, which, you know, it wasn't their fault, really, because it was during the pandemic. But um, so, yeah, I, I sometimes I will like rewatch it. I do it like a yearly rewatch. I'll watch it up until like three episodes from the end and then I'm done. Those are dead. Too. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Love it. Uh, well, you I think you kind of alluded to this already, but like your romance origin story. How did you become both a romance reader and writer? Well, like you said, like that is, I snuck romance novels out of my grandma's. Um, I grew up on my grandparents' farm and it was really hot in Kansas, as you know, as a Missouri girl. So um, it's very hot and there was nothing to do in the summer. And so I used to sneak romance novels out of my grandma's bookshelves and I would go up into the barn loft where it was really hot. And you know what? Now that I think about it, I wasn't too smart to like climb up into the heat because it felt even hotter up there because of all the hay bales. But that's where I would go. And that's where I would read those romance novels. And I just fell in love with that I don't know, that falling in love feeling, whatever that is. Like when you see it in the readers or in the, in the characters over and over, you watch them uh, fall in love. And I just fell in love with that feeling. And so that's what I like to recreate. Yeah. Uh, did your, did your grandma ever figure it out? Mm. If she did, she didn't sing anything. And I think um, I told her much later in life that, yes, I had definitely, cause she used to tell me, do not read those books. These books are, cause I <laughs> She was a voracious reader and she should have known better really because I would read anything that I that I got my hands on and so um that was really you know what that's on her for tempting me in that way <laughs> yeah no as soon as you make it I forbidden it's almost like fair game right. it's really her fault if you think about it so no, um yeah no she I told her later in life and she she was just like oh my gosh honey I can't believe you did whatever but um but no but honestly it's a good thing because it did make me fall in love with that with reading that kind of feeling and then um it kind of set me up for a career so you know she shouldn't be too upset yeah so how did the writing happen like have you always been a writer or, or what yes I've always been a writer in my soul like when I was really little um, I read Where the Red Fern Grows, and I hated the ending. And so I was up there in that barn loft I was just talking about, and I was just sobbing at the ending. It was the first book that had ever touched me that way. And I rewrote the end. I, it bothered me so much for days that finally I thought, you know what? I'm going to rewrite the ending. And um, that was my, I guess you can call it fan fiction, because I rewrote the ending of that into a way where the dogs didn't die. And um, and that's when I, I, I it, it kind of was like, recognizing that you have this power to change this, you know? And so that was really intoxicating as a little kid. And I just started doing it more and more. And then I thought, you know, I'm actually kind of good at this. And it just went on from there. I, I wrote poet like every other girl does. I probably, I wrote poetry in high school and um, I just, I just loved it. I love the way that um, you can really evoke emotions with your words. And that was really intoxicating to me. So um, yeah, I, I, that's when I started that. I feel like we need like a yearly, you know how they come out with like those best short stories of 2023. We need like a high school girl poetry anthology that comes out <laughs> yearly. I would love because I was the That's same. Me. Like I feel like every girl my age, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm 37. Like we all had composition books of like just the yes. most angsty teenage yes. girl poetry. <laughs> so embarrassing. You know, I would literally die if I saw what I wrote back then. Like it's lost now. Like <laughs> I don't remember. It was probably thrown out or whatever. Thank God, because I can't imagine what it would have been like. Oh, how embarrassing. <laughs> the angst. The angst. 
Yes, everything's all about it. You know, it's heart. It's just heartbreak at its finest. It really is. It really is. I do a lot of digging on like fiction database because I was like, I know I I came to you because of your holiday romance, and I was like, oh my gosh, she's her first book published in 2011. So is that correct? Around 2011. Yeah. Yep. So tell me, so you, you know, rewrote the ending. You're, you're doing fan fiction as a teenage girl and writing poetry. How, what, tell me your publishing journey. Like, when did you decide, like, I, I really want to pursue this. I want to be serious about it. Um, I was actually, well, when, when I was in high school, I remember my mom telling me, you know, writers don't make any money. And so I went on and got my business degree and I worked in marketing for years and I just kind of, um, dabbled like I had been doing, you know, um, I would write short stories or whatever. And I would write, um, my, my daughter was little at that time. And I would just write her story at nighttime when I would, she would go to bed, I'd put her to bed and I'd read her story. Well, she started wanting me to tell her my own stories. And so I would write little stories for her and read them every night. And, um, I don't know why, but after my dad died, my dad died really suddenly during that time. And for some reason after that, I just felt the urge to write a book about a guardian angel, which I did. And um, I don't know, I, I just, um, that was picked up by a small press. I mean, it, to be honest, it wasn't good enough to be like a, somebody's big book, but I didn't know that at the time. You know, our first work is always, we think it's amazing. And then you go back later and you look at it and you're like, oh my gosh. Well, I still love the story, of course, but um, it was picked up by a small press. And then I wrote... Um, a mythological romance or paranormal romance with mythology, a series right before that. And that was also a small press. And then I had the idea for my breakout book called If You Stay. And that was actually one of the first new adult books out there on the market. And just because of um, the timing of it, new adult, those kind of angsty stories that we were just talking about, um, teenagers, I had, I, I had queried so many publishers with this idea for a really troubled um, male, a male character. His name's Pax. Um, that was how he was struggling with drug addiction. And then I wanted him to have this character arc where he came through that and he fell in love and everything. And um, I kept hearing back, there was no genre for this. There's no age bracket for this. You know, it wasn't young adult, but yet it wasn't um, women's fiction either. So um, it got rejected about a hundred times and I finally did it as an indie. And um it exploded. It, it, um, it hit like the top of Amazon within a week. It hit the New York times for like 10 weeks in a row. And then the publishers and agents started calling. And so, wow. um, yeah, there's yeah, no, there's and, no age bracket for this. <laughs> Love yeah, prove you wrong. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and so, I mean, like, I don't know whatever made them think that there was no age bracket for, you know, 20 somethings. Right. And so yeah. now it seems silly, but back then, there wasn't new adult. There wasn't a new new adult genre. So um, that book hit big, and then I um, got an agent that way, and I got a three book deal out of that, and um, never looked back. But that's how it happened. I took matters into my own hands. Oh my gosh! So you you've kind of touched on my next question already, but like as you're entering the world of publishing, like. What did it look like to you? What did it feel like? Like, because looking at your bibliography from back in the day to now, it's it's very different. And I was like, was Courtney writing like the, ro you know, I know that some people don't like the term romanticy, but like, I'm like, was Courtney writing that before 
it became like what it is now before it kind of became a thing. Like what Mm -hmm. did the world you were entering into romance publishing wise, like what did it look like to you? Like, what did it feel like? Well, it was actually at that time, it was pretty exciting because the indie, the whole indie revolution thing was just happening where you could literally write your own book and you could, you didn't have to have anybody say, no, you know, that's not a good idea or there's no genre for that. And so at the time it was really exciting because, um, I have this really entrepreneurial spirit, kind of. I don't know why I was just born with it. And so if somebody tells me, no, I'm going to do it myself, right? And there's a lot of people out there like that. And so it was like um, the gates were opened for the first time because the publishers, you know, kind of guard those gates. So you you came into it when, was was indie already a big thing or was it like, people were slowly figuring out like we was was the was the doors to indie opening like at that time well do you remember amanda hawking she was huge in the indie world she was huge because um she wrote i forget now was i think fantasy or paranormal and she priced things at 99 cents which nobody had ever been able to do because you know nobody was really self-published at that time in a in a really big way and i think that people were just the word about indie authors and it made it seem kind of cool like indie music or whatever and people wanted to support that and so it really became um the kind of cool thing to do with uh with writers and 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 readers really kind of like to support that too. And then, you know, now it's progressed to there's so much of it out there or whatever, but it still does. And you really do. Like if somebody's listening to this right now, just know that things are very different now than they were then. Um, when I when I went the indie route and broke out, it was a lot easier to do then than now because now the market is really flooded with, with indie authors. So um I just want to make sure that somebody doesn't hear that and think, oh, you know, I can become an instant whatever. You know, it's not the same now, but you can still do it. You know, you can still do yeah. it. If you write a great story and it, what it boils down to is if you write a great story and the, the audience can really relate to it, it's it's going to do well. That's what readers just want to read. So be authentic. What did the, um, like, I can imagine, I'm, I'm trying to think like 2011 was not that long ago but it is kind of long ago and I can't imagine like we didn't have, you know, Instagram. I don't know if Instagram was around. I can't even think back that far, but like, what did the marketing for yourself look like if you were going that route at that time? Like, how did you get your books out there? Word of mouth on blog sites. That's how we did it. We, um, yep. We, we became friends because blogging was really a thing right at that time too. I remember. So book blogging really was kind of ramping up into what it is. Now. Well, now it's like, um, what do they call the, the book talk? You know, book talks. Mm-hmm. That's huge yeah. right now. But, and blogs are still important for sure. But they were the pretty much be all end all for indie authors back in the day. I mean, you would arrange blog tours and you would get on as many blogs as possible just to get your name out there, you know, because a lot of people, I worked in marketing. So I did have a background in knowing kind of what to do, um, I'd never promoted myself before, but, and so that was new. And that's something that you really do have to um, get past. If you feel uncomfortable with promoting yourself, you have to get past that. Cause that's a whole lot of being an indie is being able to do, well, actually any author. I mean, actually, yeah. even if you're traditionally published, you really do a lot of your own PR work too. So that would be something I would also say to, to authors or to writers listening to this is that, you know, you always will 
need to market your own things. And so you need to get comfortable with that. But yeah, back then the, the blogs were what we did. It, having the marketing background, is there, and knowing like blogs, I think are still important, but the world of like um, promotion has changed. Mm-hmm. Like, is there mm-hmm. anything that maybe new aspiring authors don't know they should be doing that you would say like, hey, if you're not doing this, maybe give this a try? Oh, that's, I wouldn't even want to begin because like you said, I mean, things, things change so quickly, you know, like I think the the top thing, the top marketing thing that you have to really pay attention to is where do your readers go? You know, do they hang out on TikTok? Do they hang out on Instagram? Do they hang out on Goodreads? You know, like you need to figure out where they go and then be there. That's, that's the best thing I can, I can advise anybody. Oh, that is so smart. I've never heard it. I I don't think I've ever heard it like articulated like that. Like I see so many authors obviously like promoting themselves, but I've never looked at it from the lens of like, okay, you're, you're there because you know, your readers are there, you know, like you'll see some authors, you know, that I think finally realize like my readers aren't in this space. They're not on TikTok, you know, (laughs) it's like, well, you gotta, you gotta pivot and you gotta go somewhere else. It's gotta be exactly. And I think, I mean, just to piggyback on that, the, the other step to that is knowing who your, your reader is, who is your, who is going to be your demographic. You know, if, if you're writing young adult fiction, you want to be where those 13 to 17 year olds are, you know, like, so you sometimes see authors that are everywhere and that's just, that's, that's limiting their resources really, because you can't be everywhere and do it well. And so you really need to figure out where your particular readers go, who reads your books, where they're going to be. And that's where you need to be too. Well, you made a pivot into writing holiday romance. Um, (laughs) I still think about the Christmas dress to this day. I love that book so much. Um, What inspired the shift into writing holiday romances? That was kind of interesting, actually, because that was something I had never considered for myself, even though I love Christmas, like I decorate on like November 1st. I mean, I love Christmas. But um, I was approached, um, the editor for that book actually thought of that idea for the Christmas dress. Uh, She thought of the idea for an enchanted dress. And um, she came to my agent, and my agent came to me. And she said, you know, they love your voice, even though you've never written Christmas before. What do you think you could do with this idea? And I was just so flattered because I'd never heard of that even happening, you know. And um, so I sat down like I said, well, Kevin, you know that I, I don't write Christmas, though. And I'm like, I don't even know what's out there right now or, you know, what people are liking. And she's like, yeah, but they like your voice. So I sat down and I fleshed out her idea because, you know, all she really said was she 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 had this idea for this this enchanted dress that could fit anybody. And it could, um, she wanted to, to accidentally fall into the reader's or the, the main character's hands. That's all I had mm-hmm. to go on. And so um, I created the whole rest of the story. And I was really nervous the whole time because, you know, if you take somebody else's idea, you want to do it justice, you know? So, um, but that is exactly how I pivoted to Christmas. I mean, it's not a full pivot. I still am writing regular fiction too. Um, but I just, it made sense to continue because I do love Christmas and I love swoony things and I love magic. And so um, it just made sense. Oh, that book is just so good. <laughs> um, one thing that I have noticed is is that, so the three holiday romances I've read by you now, mm-hmm. you, 
write one of my favorite things to see in just novels period and I feel like I don't see it much in in romance so like I really look forward to your holiday romances when they come out is like you always do something with time so like in the Christmas dress the heroine you know she finds the she finds the dress and there's like some 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 time elements in that story that I loved. I loved the like speakeasiness, you know, all the, the, the setting was fabulous. In Home for Christmas, the heroine literally time traveled. I loved that she was like hanging out with her grandmother as a young woman. I love that book. Um, and then in A Wish for Christmas, it's almost like you stopped time for our couple who's in like a marriage in trouble almost situation. And then you like restarted time for them. Is that something that you are aware of? Is it just kind of happening? Like talk about the writing time element because you know I what? love it. That is, so, that is so insightful that you would even focus in on that because I hadn't. I didn't even realize that about myself. <laughs> yeah. But if I look back at my first series, the, the mythological paranormal, it was time travel. Um, back, it started off back going back to Cleopatra to be her handmaiden. And so I guess I'm just fascinated by that. But it's so weird because I'd never thought about that before. But yes, I, don't I love know, it. I just love the idea of second chances or being mm. able to, or having a redo or being able to change something. You know, I, I don't know why. I guess I just I find it fascinating. Well, can you share with everybody like your elevator pitch for a wish for Christmas? Like, how would you describe it to anyone that hasn't read it yet? I would just say that a wish for Christmas is about a couple who's married. They're unhappily married, and they make a wish on a on a magic snow globe that they had never gotten married. They never met, and this book is about that and what it's like if they hadn't or. Um, and if true love is actually just a thing that can't be rewritten. So how did this, the story for these two come to you? Cause I, I, again, I love the time element. I love what you did with that. And I love like, it. it's not even like when you first meet them, it's not like they hate each other. You can just tell that they are a couple that are slowly drifting apart. Yeah, um, so how did I mean, it come to you? Well, that's the actual reason why is because they're, I was thinking one day about how when you're married for a long time, and you said you're 37, um, I'm 48, and I've been married for over 20 years. And so I think that every couple who's been married that long, you do, there are times when you do start drifting apart, and you do have to come back together, remember why you're together in the first place. What do I love about this person? You know, because when you're together for so long, like even sometimes the way they chew gets on your nerves, right? And so, um, and everybody's busy and, and social media, and you're always bombarded with everything. So we get short tempered. And I think that, um, I just think everybody needs to remember that um, we love that person for a reason. And sometimes the, the everyday stuff can, can just drown out, you know, the real, the real things that you love. And so I was thinking about that and I was thinking what would happen if, you know, they could actually go back in time and redo things. Would they still love each other? And they did. So um, yeah. I think that most of us, you know, I think even though we get annoyed with our spouses, sometimes most of us would probably be the same. Did you have a favorite moment writing wise for the book? I loved all the scenes with Elliot, the dog. Um, yeah. And he plays, <laughs> I, 
I actually based him on, I have this English Mastiff that we adopted a few years ago. And he had the biggest personality of any animal I have ever had. And so I just had to put him into this book. And so really, I love every season. I love at the beginning when they're trying to get him on a private plane and up the stairs, you know, like, because I, I can just... <laughs> I could just envision my Atticus, who we called our house donkey. I could just imagine donkey trying to get him. And oh my gosh. So um, I love every scene that the Elliot's in. Yeah. Oh gosh. I loved when um, she can't get him on the plane. And so then he's like, well, you know, you can just, there were these moments where it was like, they kind of feel like they know each other, you know, it, 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 I just, I loved it. I don't want to spoil it. It's like, it's so tricky, but (laughs) there were these little moments, you know, once you kind of restarted time for them in in this way, it's like, he, he feels like I know her, like he's comfortable enough to do that for her. Yes. It's almost like deja vu or, you know, they just underneath the surface, they feel very familiar with each other and they don't even know it. Well, is there anything that you're working on now that you're able to talk about? Um, not really that I can talk about, but I'm always working on new books. And um, so we'll have to touch back on that on a different date. Yes. <laughs> I mean, you do the holidays so well. Is there another holiday that you're like, I would like to do this if I, you know, give no, this one a try? I love Halloween. Halloween was always my favorite thing until I got a little bit older, but um I really couldn't write a Halloween book because that would totally trash my whole brand. So, you know, (laughs) it wasn't that smart. Well, even though I worked in marketing when I first started off, I just wrote anything I felt like. I didn't really stick to one genre. And I think that it's really helpful for readers when, um, you know, they know what they're getting when, when you get, you know, like Stephen King, you know what you're getting. I can't write Halloween or my readers would be so confused. (laughs) Like, Courtney, what is going on? Yeah, like, why can't you get your stuff figured out? <laughs> Pick something. Well, um, where can everybody keep up with you online? Um, well, my website is CourtneyColeCreates.com. I love your website, by the way. I love your bio and all of that. I'm like, oh, she seems so fun. <laughs> you so much we're, we're actually redoing it right now and so the updated version will be up pretty soon but that's where you can find everywhere that I am like I try to mix it up and be different places but um but that's where you can find where I am well I will have that linked down below thank you so much for sharing your time with me and for writing amazing books <laughs> such a fan thank you Brie you're so sweet and um thank you for having me here too Merry Christmas everyone mm-hmm.